0: Welcome to another inspirational teaching by Pastor Mike Foreman, Senior Pastor of the First Baptist Church of Level Plains. For more information about Pastor Mike and the church, please visit our website at www.fbclp.life. Let's join Pastor Mike now as he shares from God's Word. Amen. That's what we want, isn't it? We want God to speak truth. That's what we want to hear. You know, it's amazing that we take for granted the Bible and the truth that God has given us through the Word of God. And uh, we never want to do that. And so uh, we want to make sure that we come in here today and we crack open the Word of God that we're so thankful for what God speaks to us through the Word. If it wasn't for the Word, the Bible, uh, we wouldn't know Jesus. And uh, I'm thankful that that God uh, gave us the ability through the power of your spirit that we can understand the word. The Holy Spirit is the writer, you know, a communicator of the word of God. And we're thankful that he has given it to us that we can understand it. So take your copy of God's word and begin to look for the little epistle of Second Timothy. We're finishing up our character sketches study today. And I've been preaching last week and this week on the Apostle Paul And I want to finish up talking about Paul's life. But let me ask you a question this morning. When your life is about to end, maybe you get the privilege of living a long life and maybe you, at the end of that, are on your deathbed and you are conscious and aware of your surroundings. You still have the faculties of your mind. I wonder what would be your last words to those around you. If you look up some things on his deathbed, Napoleon, this is what he said. He said, listen, he said, I die before my time. If you don't know anything about Napoleon, he died way before his time. But he says, I die before my time and my body will be given back to earth to become the food of worms. Such is the fate which is so soon awaits the great Napoleon. <laughs> Mahatma Gandhi, known as probably one of the greatest Hindu religious spiritual leaders, said these words as his days were coming to a close. He says, and I quote, My days are numbered. I am not likely to live very long. Perhaps a year or a little more. Now listen to what he goes on and says. It's very important for you to listen to what he says. For the first time in 50 years, I find myself in a slough of despondency. All about me is darkness. I am praying for light. Well, Mahatma Gandhi, it's too late for you, but the light was Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the light. greatest spiritual leader, according to the Hindus, ever walked, and he... Couldn't figure it out at the end of his life. Author and playwright George Bernard Shaw said these final words. Listen to what he says. Sister, you're trying to keep me alive as an old curiosity, but I'm done. I'm finished. I'm going to die. (laughs) That's pretty blunt, isn't it? What would you say if you were about to die? What would be your final words? Well, the Apostle Paul doesn't make us guess what his final words are going to be. He writes some final words to young Timothy, who is a pastor, a young leader in a church called Ephesus. Who, if you know anything about Timothy, if you read First and Second Timothy, you find was a timid kind of young man. He he wasn't a brash and bold and uh, upfront in your face kind of guy like Paul. But there were times that it was apparent that he had a weakness. Of his flesh, so Paul would encourage him to take a little uh, wine for his stomach causes. So he had a little bit of a stomach upsetting issue in his life, and, and and he would also write to him and say, "Don't let anyone look down on your youth." So he had a, an age issue. There were maybe some people in the church that thought they knew more than him because he was younger, and so you know Paul had to sort of encourage him. And so Paul would write to him, uh, "Don't let them look down on your your youth." You know, he, he he had people in his church that, you know, were, um, you know, causing persecution and struggle from inside the church, causing him difficulties. And so Paul would write to him, fight the good fight of the faith. You know, he, and he would tell him, stir up the gift of God that's been given to you on the inside. And so Paul writes to Timothy and he encourages him in 1 and 2 Timothy, to be all that he can be as a leader, as a pastor for the Lord Jesus Christ. And especially in 2 Timothy, Paul is writing to him and encouraging him because Paul is about to die. Paul is about to leave this planet. And if you look down in chapter four of 2 Timothy, you begin in verse six, you'll find that Paul writes these words to young Timothy. Listen to what he says. He says, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, he says, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And he says, not only to me, he said, but also to all who loved his appearing. Paul is about to die. He is giving some final words to young Timothy. In chapter four, you find the beginning verses in verse one. He talks to him about preaching. He says, preach the word, be in season, be out of season. He says, convince Rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and teaching, lo I, for the time will come when they won't endure sound doctrine. I don't have time to preach that sermon this morning, but I want you to think about this morning, Paul giving Timothy this charge because Paul is doing what we've seen many times in the Bible. He is handing over the mantle. He is handling, handing over to him the reins of ministry. Paul was the father, the spiritual father of Timothy. And now Paul says, My departure, my time to leave is coming fast. Even now, notice the verbiage he uses in verse six. Even now I'm being poured out. Even now it's beginning to happen. Even now we're so close. He says, I know it's going to happen. Now, Paul, did he expect to die that day that he wrote? No, he did not because he also writes to Timothy, make sure that when you come to see me, bring the parchments, bring a coat. You know, he tells Timothy to come to him as fast as he can. He says, Timothy, try to get here before winter. You know, did he know that he was going to die for winter? Paul didn't know exactly what day he was going to die, but he knew that he was in a dungy, stinky, filthy, dark Roman dungeon. And he knew by this time that he was not going to survive. All it would take was to go to Nero and for them to make the decision and for them to kill Paul. Now, Paul did know that he would not die by crucifixion because it was illegal for a Roman citizen to be crucified. And you say, where do you get that from? Well, read history. You begin to find that Paul was not only a Jew, but he was a Roman citizen by birth from where he grew up in Tarsus. And so he was Roman by birth. So he could not be crucified. Most likely, he was gonna have his head chopped off. And so the apostle Paul, realizing he's facing this, Realizes that Timothy is going to be the next leader. Speaks to the church with some very definite words about himself. But listen, I think it's applicable to us. Are we going to be like Paul as we face our death? Paul's able to confidently write some things here. And I hope that you'll be able to say, yes, I'll be there. So I've entitled today's message, Finishing Well. You know, it's not how you... Start, it's how you finish, right? You know, we we all come out the gate of Christianity when we're first saved. We first come to know Jesus as our Savior when he saves us. And I can remember when I was 17 and I was saved out of a lifestyle of sin. And I can remember when he saved me, I started going to a little church called the First Baptist Church of Browns Mills, New Jersey. And in that little church, I began to go to Sunday school. And I can remember as a student going to Sunday school and, and our teacher teaching us the word of God. And I can remember, and I don't know if Maria remembers, but I can remember one day I was so frustrated. I was frustrated because I wanted to learn all that I could about Jesus. I was so excited to be a new Christian. I was so excited to uh, begin to learn the Bible and to begin to learn more about this new faith that I had come to know in Jesus Christ. If you know my story, my testimony, I've, I've shared it before. The seeds were already planted by a lady who lived up the street from us. Her name was Mrs. Allen. Mrs. Allen was an African-American lady who would hold Sunday school in the basement of her house. And it was in the basement of her house that I first heard Jesus Loves Us. That's the first time I ever sang that song. We didn't sing that song in my house growing up. And and it was the first time that I got a little coin that I had earned from memorizing scripture that said, for God so loved the world. So the the seed that was planted by Mrs. Allen was nurtured by my relationship with Marina and her family. But then God redeemed me on a, Believe it or not, a New Year's Eve service in 1984, right before 1985, I got saved, came to know Jesus Christ as my Savior, and I wanted to know so much about Him. But as the journey has continued, you know as well as I do, the journey hasn't always been easy. And so Paul is going to say to us listen, it's not about how you start. It's about how you finish because listen, it's easy to start well. Because I remember those days of excitement. I remember those days where I was joyful. I remember those days coming to an end when I became deeper involved in the life of church. And I realized, you know, my pastor has flaws. And I realized, you know what? The people that I love, that I thought were loving believers in Jesus Christ, they got some issues. And then I realized, you know what? I have some issues. And this thing of following Jesus is not as easy as I thought. And so all these years later, now having a big birthday tomorrow, I'm so old and wise. And so, you know, all these years later, really walking with Jesus, I realized even in my daily life now as a believer, and Maria will tell you, that there's still the struggle. There's still the, the days where it's hard, but I can tell you something. Marina says it this way. She said, Mike, you always come to the right answer. I appreciate that in her, because she always encouraged me. She slaps me around sometimes. you know. Sometimes I call her the Holy Spirit, but it's how you finish. See, I can muddle it up along the way, but am I gonna finish well? And there's a lot of men and a lot of women who call themselves Christian, who didn't finish so well. You probably know some of them. I know some preachers who no longer preach. I'll never forget Maria's mom calling us one day and saying that the youth minister at their church walked in, handed his Bible in and said, I don't believe this stuff, I'm done. It happens. How will you finish? Well, the good news is if you're a Christian, If Jesus has really redeemed you, if you are blood bought by Jesus Christ, you're going to finish. (laughs) He's going to pull you through it. I guarantee He's going to. Why? He said He would never leave you nor forsake you. He said, All those who come to me, listen, in no wise will be cast out. Whoever comes to me, what does He say? Will never be disappointed. You're going to finish. Read the letters to the seven churches in Revelation. He who overcomes, who's the overcomer? It's the true believer. So, hopefully, like Paul, we'll be able to stand one day, and I'm going to preach, I promise. We'll be able to say with Paul, I've finished the race. So, what does Paul say to us? What is Paul's last words? Well, first of all, look at the text again. In verse 6, he gives us what I'm calling the, the imminent departure. You know, Paul, again, he didn't expect maybe to die tomorrow, but within a span of time, Paul knew it was over. Life is done. I'm about to leave this planet. And notice how he says it again. He says in verse six, for I am already being poured out. He's already talking about giving up his life. He's already being poured out. He is making, I think, a great reference to Numbers 15. Numbers 15, you go there and you read, there is where God gives some instructions to the Jewish people about sacrifices. And part of the sacrifices were giving of the lamb. But many of us forget that part of the sacrificing of the lamb, there was this libation offering. There was this offering that they were to give along with that of this one-fourth of wine that they were supposed to pour out before the Lord. It was poured out at the altar of God. And so Paul is saying, I'm already, listen, this is what he says. He said, I'm already being poured out on the offering, as an offering before God. And by the way, it should not be foreign to us. Paul would tell us in Romans 12, right? I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that what? You offer your what? Your bodies as a living sacrifice. So it should not be foreign to us that Paul would say, you know, even now, as I'm I'm thinking about dying and I'm thinking about going to be with Jesus, even now I'm being poured out. God is already using me in some mighty ways as an offering to him back to him. And he says to us, he says, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. There were departures, an interesting word, because many commentaries. you read many commentaries about that one particular word, they all interpret it differently. They all interpret that word, and and you look at it grammatically, and you begin to look at it in its its, um, context, as well as Looking at it from the way the Greeks use that word, there are four primary interpretations. And so what I want to do, I want to share four primary interpretations of that word departure because I think they're all important to understand Paul's heart and how Paul was viewing his imminent death as he was going to go be with the Lord. Now, they're not original to me. I stole them. I'll tell you where I stole them from. William Barclay is a... Uh, a writer who writes commentaries, a Greek scholar. Listen to what he says. He says, first of all, the word stands for unyoking of an animal from the shaft of a cart or a plow. Death to Paul, he says, was rest from toil. Paul labored hard for the Lord. He says, it's also a word that they used in the time of the Greeks for loosening bonds or fetters. He said, death to Paul was was like a liberation and a release. He was to exchange exchange the confines of a Roman prison for the glories and the liberty of a heavenly court. Isn't that awesome? He says the word was also for the loosing of ropes of a tent. He says for Paul, it was time to strike camp again. He said many a journey he had made across the roads of Asia Minor and Europe, and now he was setting out on his last and greatest journey. He was taking the road that led to God. And lastly, he says that word was also about loosening the mooring ropes of a ship, letting a ship sail to sea. And he said, many a time, Paul, it sailed the Mediterranean. And he had felt the ship leave the harbor from the deep waters. Now, he says, he was to launch out into the greatest deep of all. He is setting sail to cross the waters of death and to arrive in the haven of eternity. Listen, friends. Paul was looking death in the face and he knew that at any time they could come in with the guards and say, let's go. And they would usher him out to the gallows and they would chop his head off. He knew at any time. But you know what the reality is for us? The reality is for us is that we also face imminent death, that we also have an imminent ending. Ending. See, we don't think so. We think, well, perhaps my family line. I tell Marina all the time, she's going to outlive me by 25 years because her family lives to be in their 90s. My family died in their 60s and 70s. And so I said, you're going to outlive me a long time. But the reality is, may not be the case. The truth of the matter is, you can find that death will find you in 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 a heartbeat or a lack thereof. See, the problem is, folks, the reason why we're not focused like Paul, the reason why we don't do the work of Christ with urgency like Paul, is because we think we have all day to do it. But the reality is, Mike Foreman could not hit 51. I can die tonight. Think about it. That's scary. I think back, how long has it been? Six years? Five years? Six years? Boy, I nailed it right on there. You know, Steve looked death in the face. Motorcycle wreck. Somebody just pulls out in front of you. You don't know. It ends that quick. I think what we went through is we prayed for the Grantham family just a few months ago. Get on a four-wheeler, you may not last. Friends, let me tell you something. We do not do the urgency of ministry like Paul because we think we got all day. And Paul says, my time's close. And I think it's a good reminder for us to think, you know, our day could come. And every time I preach a funeral, I'm reminded that the funeral is not for the person who's in the casket. The funeral is for those of us who are living to say, hey, death is real. And it's closer than we imagine. And bless God, if he lets you live to be 150, bless God, you won't want to be that long. (laughs) Most people hit 90 or above, they're like, why am I even here? I want to go home and rest. Paul says, listen, life for us, death for us, going home to be with Jesus for us is imminent. And if it's not death, (laughs) the good news is, is Jesus coming back, Amen? amen? Because he's coming back at any moment. And he says to be ready because we don't know when he's coming back. But he's coming back. Now the heart of that is not only do we have this imminent death that's going to come, this departure but, but notice the heart of what Paul really is trying to say to Timothy, because it really is an anthem. It is, it is really this encouraging, motivational speech that he gives about himself and his ministry. And I'm just simply calling this his faithfulness declared. So what does Paul say, verse seven? Notice the text. He says in verse seven, I have fought the good fight. You know, Paul uses the analogy of sports. Paul obviously liked Alabama and uh, watched Alabama every time they played. And so he was a highly sports-oriented guy. And so he, he liked boxing. And so he uses this boxing illustration. I know, you know, I'm just joking when I say all that, right? So don't take offense, don't get mad, all right? Don't think I'm trying to add to the scripture about Paul watching boxing or whatever. I'm just saying that Paul uses this analogy You remember before Paul would say to the Corinthian church, he says, he fights as not as one punching the air. Then Paul says, I'm going to be in this ministry thing. I'm going to fight the good fight of faith. Amen. And notice it's a good fight. That is, he's fighting for the integrity and the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, how do I know that? Because from the Damascus road till here we are at the end, what was Paul all about? He wasn't about Paul. Matter of fact, he lists for us, remember, oh boy, remember Philippians? You should. I preached 22 sermons out of Philippians. You should remember Philippians. He gives us a whole list of all of his qualifications. He says, but they're nothing but garbage. They're nothing but rubbish. I don't care about those things. What I care about is Jesus Christ and preaching the gospel. And he says, I have fought the good fight. I have preached the gospel. I have shared the faith. I have been all my life, regardless of what I've been through, all about Jesus since I've come to know him on the Damascus Road. And I wonder if that's what our life's about. I wonder if that's what we could say, that we are fighting the good fight. Can I tell you, one of the things we need to understand, ladies and gentlemen, is that, listen, it is a fight. Amen? It is a fight. Listen, your fight, first of all, is against Satan. Satan hates the gospel. Satan hates Christian, and Satan is against us, amen? And Satan wants to destroy us. And Paul reminds us in Ephesians 6, listen to what he says in his own words. He said, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, he said, but against principalities and powers and against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Paul reminds us that the enemy of the gospel is not just the human people we see who are against it, but it's ultimately behind that is Satan himself because he doesn't want anybody being saved. He doesn't want people coming to faith, but can I tell you that Paul somewhere along the line knew that the fight also was in his own flesh? You say, "Oh no, not Paul! Not Paul! Paul would never ever struggle." Well, look at First Corinthians nine twenty-seven. He says, "But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection." If it was already there. Why beat it? Why bring it into subjection? Now you know he's not talking about physically. Other than you know, there's times he needs to fast. He's going to fast. Paul is not talking about taking something and beating himself. What Paul is talking about is the discipline that it takes in order to walk with Jesus when, listen, there's times you don't feel like walking with Jesus, when there are dark times in your life and you don't want to walk with Jesus. Listen, when you're facing depression, you don't want to walk with Jesus. Listen, when you're facing with sin, you got sin in your life and you don't want to walk for Jesus. Listen, you have to discipline yourself. You have to focus yourself. You have to get your heart back in track with Jesus Christ. Amen? Because John reminds us if I walk in the light as he's in the light, then I have fellowship. But if I walk in darkness, what? I lie and I don't practice the truth. So when I find myself there, what do I do? I have to discipline myself. I have to bring my Body into subjection. He said, Lest, he says, when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. Paul said, There's too much at stake. If I allow myself to go free, if I allow myself to enjoy sin for a season, if I allow myself to be distracted from Jesus Christ, and I don't discipline myself daily, then what's going to happen is I'm not going to preach the gospel where I need to preach the gospel. And the message that I preach will not be potent because I'll be in sin. And if it's not potent because I'm in sin, listen, listen. People are not gonna get saved. If people are not gonna get saved around me, then I'm not accomplishing God's mission for my life. And by the way, that's your mission as well as my mission is to preach the gospel. And so the apostle Paul says, listen, you may fight persecution against Satan, yourself, but the trouble also comes from trials. Listen, I I just wanna call it life. Life throws stuff at us. And so when life is being lived, you know, and I don't believe in this whole devil's in everything thing. You know what I'm saying? There are times the devil's busy, yes. There's times that the principalities and the powers of the air are, are busy trying to destroy the gospel. Can I just tell you, though, when you get a flat tire, that's not the devil. Amen? You get ready. You got, you're all dressed up. You're ready to go to work. You go outside, and there's a flat tire. That's life. How many of us have been there? Flat tires. I hate flat tires. Amen? If I had time, I'd tell you a story about a flat tire that I got that I deserved. Right, Marina? So when we begin to think about life, listen, it just throws things at us. You know, when I became a Christian, that's when the battle ensued. Amen? It's not this wealth, health, prosperity stuff that Joel Steen preaches with a smile on his face and tells you everything's going to be okay because you come to Jesus. It's not about him. Amen? It's not about that. I'm not trying to discourage him. I'm trying to be real. Because Paul says... You know what? If you're going to finish well, then you better understand the truth because it's the truth that sets you free, but it's also the truth that's going to carry you through the dark days of your life that you can cling to. And listen, sometimes that's all you got to cling to. Amen. You ever been there? Amen. Anybody else ever been there? That's all you can cling to. So Paul says, I fought the good fight. Listen, he says, I finished the race. (laughs) Paul is talking about a runner now. Paul's watching the Olympics and he sees the runners and he says, I finished the race. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That word race, he finished the race. That word race was also a word not just used in competition. But when he talked about being finished the race, it was also used, that phrase, because a lot of times in our English text, we're, we're, we're really taking a word that's that long. We're making a phrase. We, that's the only way we can interpret Greek. But it's one word in the Greek. That, that phrase was referred to either military men who came to the time of retirement, I mean, y'all are looking forward to that, right? Came to the point of retirement, they were finished. Or it was used of a businessman who was retired. It was often used in those kinds of contexts. So here's Paul saying, Paul saying, I reached my retirement. What was Paul's retirement, by the way? It was death. Paul's retirement wasn't, you know, I'm gonna buy the house out there on the golf course and play 18 holes every day. No, Paul's retirement was, The casket. I'm going to die. Listen, my friends, listen to me very carefully. If you retire and enjoy your senior life, travel on the road, have a good time. But listen to me, make it about the gospel. You're going to meet all kinds of people out there on the road. You're going to be traveling, having a great time. Make it about the gospel. Because that's the greater years. Listen, we're trapped by work now. But just think about what you can do for Jesus when you're free. Amen? Amen? Make it about Jesus. He says, I finish the race. From the time Jesus called me to preach to my death, i made it. I've made it. And then he says this, I've kept the faith. You know what Paul's declaring there? He was faithful. He was faithful. You know, when Paul preached, you know, it's interesting when Paul wrote to the Galatian church, you know, he's talking about the true gospel. He's looking at people who preaching a false gospel, a false narrative. When he preached... There he said to them, he said, listen, if I come back here and I preach anything that would have already told you that Jesus Christ is the only way, he said, don't listen to me. You know what I've found in my ministry as I've watched preachers over the years, and I pray this never happens to me, that I have met preachers who have changed their theological stance on things, not necessarily minor things either, their theological stance on things because it better suits their family situation. Or it better suits a situation in their life. Or it better suits a ministry that they want to start. I'm here to tell you, you cannot compromise the truth. Amen? And I would say to you, if I come out here on a Sunday morning and I preach anything other than the truth of the word of God, it's time to fire me. It's time to find somebody else. Amen? And I don't hesitate saying that. Fire me and get somebody else. Amen? Don't call for a of meeting today, okay? Yeah. And so he tells us, listen, Paul tells us that he's about to depart. He gives us this faithful declaration I have been faithful. But then here's the sweet spot. Here's the sweet spot of it all. Notice verse 8. Because he brings us to the sweet spot, and that is he has an anticipated reward. Right? He is looking forward to heaven. Listen to what he says. Finally conclusion, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness. This crown is a crown that all of us will receive who are believers in Jesus Christ. Not a special one just for Paul, but it's all believers. James would call it the crown of life. And so you and I are going to receive this crown. And notice he says that this crown of life that he's going to receive is a crown of righteousness. It is none other than what I believe is the righteousness of Jesus Christ has been given to us. That's what salvation's all about, right? Salvation is not about me becoming righteous because I got saved, no. I am righteous because he saved me. In other words, when I was saved at 17 on that New Year's Eve service, when I became a believer in Jesus Christ, he withdrew from my bank account my sin and he deposited into my bank account his righteousness. And now I'm going to heaven because I'm righteous by the imputation, that is, by the, by the giving of his righteousness to me. That's the only reason why I'm going to heaven. Not because I'm good and righteous of myself. He goes on, listen what he says, which the Lord, the righteous judge, listen, you will face Jesus one day. That's another thing we forget. Everything we do, everything, 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 you'll give an account for one day before Jesus. That's scary because what does he say? He's the righteous judge and he's looking at righteousness. And listen, (laughs) he's not looking at the, listen, you may stand up and preach, you may sing, you may do all these great things for Jesus and Jesus is not looking at that. You know what Jesus is looking at? He's looking at the motivation behind all that stuff. What's the motive? What's the motive behind all that stuff? Is it for yourself? Do I stand up here and preach? Because I want Mike to be in the forefront? Do we sing because you know we want Brother Tim to be in the forefront? No. No. And then he says, listen what he says. This reward's going to be given when? He says, to me on that day. That day is the day Jesus comes back. It's that day that Jesus is going to reign as victor. And he's going to bring us back with him. And listen, on that day, Paul says. We're going to be rewarded. I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to that day. I don't know about you. I'm looking forward to that day. There's nothing wrong with looking forward to the reward. Because I, I tell you what, I'm convinced that if I have a reward, it's going to be like those images I see in Revelation, where I see those elders who have their crowns. And what do they do in worship? They bow their face prostrate to the ground, and they lay their crowns at Jesus' feet. That's why I want reward. I want something to lay at his feet. Amen. I want something to give back to my master. Although he's unconditionally loved me. (laughs) I want to give back to my master. And he says, not only to me, but also to those who love his appearing. Let me ask you a question. Do you love Jesus? Do you love Jesus? Can I ask you a, a deeper question? Because it's easy to say, I love Jesus. Can I ask you a deeper question? Do you love his appearing? Are you ready this morning? If Jesus was to come right now before we celebrate the Lord's Supper, are you ready? Are you are you really anticipating that? He says to all those who love his appearing. Well, I believe if you're a believer, you are. Oh, you may be struggling right now, thinking, "Ooh, if Jesus came back, you know, I I probably said an ugly word this morning to my wife that I shouldn't have said, or, you know, maybe maybe I did something ugly this week or some sin this week in my life that I haven't really asked God to forgive me for. Maybe those things are popping into your mind right now. But listen, let me tell you something. In the presence of Jesus, it's going to be wiped away. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to that day. I'm looking forward to seeing Him. So let's prepare our hearts for that. And how do we prepare our hearts for that? Well, we find it in the image of the Lord's Supper. We come together and we begin today to remember where we began. Paul says, that he started well and he's finishing well, but you have to go back to the start. So at the start of your life, can I ask you a question? You started your journey. Did you come to faith and surrender your life to Jesus Christ? There's been a time in your life where you realize the guilt of your sin, not sins, but the guilt of your sin. That is that you are separated from God and in that separation, you are not accepted. In that separation, you were going to bust hell wide open. But did you realize too that there's this gift, this gift of God, Jesus Christ, who went to the cross, bore your sin in his own flesh, nailed to the cross for the wages of sin is death and Jesus had to die for your sin. Not just the sins, for your sin, your nature of sin. He died. The Bible says he was buried. But glory, glory give his name. He rose on the third day. And Paul says in Romans that he did that to make you right with God. If you're trusting in something else, you're saying I'm a Baptist, I'm a Methodist, I'm a Pentecostal, I'm this, I'm that. That's a farce. If you're trusting, oh, I gave good money in here today. (laughs) <laughs> you're trusting the wrong thing. If you're here today and you're saying, you know what? I've done a lot of great works for Jesus. I sing on the praise team. You know, I, I, I do mission work outside the church. Well, well and good. That, praise, praise God that you serve him. But that's not gonna get you to heaven. You're trusting in the wrong thing. See, as we come to this table this morning, it's not about Jesus plus anything. It's about celebrating Jesus's work on the cross of Calvary for those of us who are wicked, filthy, stinking sinners, period. Knowing that there was nothing we could do to change that, he bore it all on the cross for us. And that's what we celebrate this morning. And that's why Paul gives us a stern warning in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, that when we come to this table, he said, let a man examine himself. And let us eat and drink of the cup in a worthy manner. Not making ourselves worthy. Listen, who is worthy to say they deserve Jesus? None of us. But we come in a worthy manner. That is, we don't make a mockery with our lifestyle, with our treatment, with our words, with our apathy, with our laissez fairness We come to this table and we realize that this represents the sacrifice of Jesus Christ for my salvation. So I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. I'm going to ask the whoever's going to come for the worship. Thank you for listening today. And remember, you can find more information about Pastor Mike and the church at our website, www.fbclp.life.